AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And good afternoon. And again, this is Barnaby Evans sitting in for Bronwyn as we talk about the events as Waterfire sees it and all the things that are happening in Rhode Island that we're pleased to bring to you. One of the things that we have upcoming is a longtime partnership with the Narragansett Bay Commission, and they are hosting a Waterfire just in the basin on July 14th for a national conference, which is the National Association of Clean Water Agencies. And I wanted to take a chance to talk a little bit to Ray Marshall, who's the Executive Director of the Narragansett Bay Commission, on the great job you guys have been doing and the new phase. We're, our office is right next to the tunnel, so you guys have been digging away there, and it's all finished up in that section. Yes, that's right. It is, Barnaby. You know, so that's... Now, this is part of this large effort we made to divert the rainwater because of the combined sewers, and this is directly leading to improved water quality. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, phase one of the program, which was the very large tunnel that we initially installed, went online in November 1st of uh, 2008, and since that time has been operating extremely well. What we do is we capture the flow in the tunnel, and then when we um, have the capacity at the Fields Point treatment plant, we pump it out and we give it full treatment. We've captured about 6.5 billion gallons of flow since the uh, tunnel first went online. What we've just completed is phase two, which reaches out further into the system along the Winoskwetuk and the Seekonk Rivers to pick up additional overflows and divert those into the tunnel as well. Now, the section we saw right near the Paul Cuffey School was finished, but are all the other lines in that area done? I know you were doing something by the Steel Yard and up further on Valley Street. Yes, everything in Phase 2, um, as you describe it, is now completed. That went online and in service on uh, December 31st of 2014. And the other very visible thing that's been online for a while is those great windmills, which are providing the electricity to run the pumps to bring the water up out of those tunnels. That's right. The three wind turbines that we have at the Fields Point treatment plant in 2014 uh, provided 48% of the power that we need for treatment at that facility. It's great. It's great. Well, you're much to be uh, praised for all this work. This was a vast undertaking. There's still one more phase for it, um, which I I don't know when construction starts, but I know it's uh, slightly more than a third of the project. It's another 40% or something like that. Yes, that's right. Phase 3 will be about the size of Phase 1 and 2 combined, and that will focus on our Buckland Point District. The first two phases focused on the Fields Point District. Our uh, board just approved uh, the recommended plan. We're submitting that to DEM for approval. Uh, Our estimate is that construction will start probably in about five years. Okay. Well, we see the improvement in water quality on our river, and I'm sure the base sees it. Do we have, uh, you must have numbers from phase one, but you probably don't have numbers yet from the phase one and two combined. Uh, no, we don't have the combined numbers yet. From phase one, we've been monitoring on a regular basis the Providence River um, as well as the upper bay. Uh, all the numbers show that water quality has significantly improved. And just as importantly, I think uh, the anecdotal reports we get from the fishermen and the shell fishing industry as well as DEM and Save the Bay are all that water quality is significantly improved and that the project is achieving the goals that, that it was intended to achieve. And it's it's an ambitious and much praiseworthy project. I know many communities face this problem of the combined sewer outfalls, and this was the most complete solution that you guys 
chose to go. I know there was some some sort of less complete solutions, but this has been That's the right correct. way to do it. Yes. Good. Yes. Well, tell us more about the National Association of Clean Water Agencies. Who's coming to town and uh, uh, why Narragansett Bay is hosting them? I'm sure you have great lots to show off, which is good. Yes, we do. Uh, the National Association of Clean, of Clean Water Agencies is located in Washington, D.C. They're our um, leading advocate in the wastewater industry for wastewater entities throughout the country. We have about 290 agency members throughout the United States and just to name a few, would be include Boston, New York City, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Denver, L.A., San Francisco. And um, they represent us before Congress. They represent us um, as a national group uh, before the U.S. EPA, as well as the media. And they are also actively involved in various court cases throughout the country, trying to protect the interest of organizations like ours, which, of course, we have ratepayers, you know, that we're responsible to reporting to sure. and uh, making sure that the money is well spent and that whatever investments we are going to make are actually going to achieve some measurable results and aren't just being done because the technology exists to do it. Now, is the National Association looking at strictly sewage and potable water? They also look at stormwater and all those challenges that we read about in Texas, for example. Yes, they're also involved in uh, the stormwater area anywhere or any type of activity that involves dirty water going into receiving waters, uh, the National Association of Clean Water Agencies is uh, right there watching out for our industry and, and our ratepayers. And there is uh, the other thing we've been facing, which, uh, speaking of Texas, is increased rainfall events so that these storms are bringing more rain when they do arrive. And I understand people have had to relook at the calculations for stormwater runoff and planning expectations and all that sort of stuff that you think was stable, and now you have a more complicated issue to deal with. That's right. Um, And already uh, big challenge is now even more challenging as we see these changes in the weather patterns, and everyone in our industry um, and others as well are trying to get a handle on exactly what the new normal is going to be. So you size your facilities for a certain size storm that occurs on some periodic basis, all those targets are now moving and shifting, right. and that's part of what we're trying to do with our Phase 3 work to better define how large the average rainstorm is and how often it will reoccur. And all those calculations filter all the way through the system, so the size of culverts under roads, yes. the expectation of what you need, and uh, you know, the, just the flood management and the parking lots, so that it all it's a sophisticated, complicated challenge. Exactly. I know one of the things that they've been looking at is trying to also figure out how to handle runoff um, with bioretention basins and things like that to reduce the load that goes into the system. So Yes, we've been working on um, uh, small projects of that nature now for, well, since 2003. What we did is we put in place a program so that we would work with any entities within our district where we had combined sewers, that if they wanted to expand a building, build a building, that they would take the stormwater that currently went into the pipelines out and you, and somehow use it on site. And mm-hmm. there have been some really great examples of how that's been successfully done. Um, some of the uh, folks who have worked with us that were very cooperative and very helpful are uh, Rhode Island Hospital, Brown University, Providence College, all came up with some very innovative approaches to handling stormwater on their own sites, on their own campuses, so that it would not end up in the system during rainstorms and overtax the pipelines. 
and that goes into ponding, but also into uh, retention back into the yes into the water column. Exactly. I mean, um, PC also captures it and uses it to irrigate some of their athletic fields as well. So, uh, very you know, very oh, innovative, so very very forward thinking sure, on there. Of course, because it's relatively clean water. Yes. Well, we're going to take a break, and we will be back in a few minutes. Good afternoon, everyone. We're continuing our conversation with Ray Marshall of the Narragansett Bay Commission, NBC here in Rhode Island. I know you've got some competition for those initials somewhere yes. else in the world. Um, well, you know, one of the things that uh, when people were talking about this project, everyone agreed the bay was very important. It was important to clean it up, but people were worried about the the price of it. And construction always has a tendency to uh, to rise. So I was curious how we did on our phase two of the construction project. Well, we've completed the projects uh, on time. Excellent. Uh, so we met the requirements of the regulatory folks. And uh, the projects ended up finishing under the original budget that we had established. We got very good bid prices. And then with different changes that we had to make during the construction, overall we finished under what our original budget was for Phase 2. Congratulations. I'm sure citizens are delighted to hear that. And it's also a testimony to the management and uh, capability that NBC has shown all these years in protecting the Bay. So. Thank you. That's great. Um, one of the things that we were just talking about during the break is in addition to both Phase 1 and Phase 2 of the CSO management of the uh, excess stormwater and uh, rainwater and the combined with the sewer outflow, is you guys have improved both of the sewer treatment plants. And you were telling me that uh, you're now, in addition to cleaning the water, you're also taking nitrates and other potential chemicals out of the effluent that goes into the bay. That's right. We have uh, a permit at each of our plants, which requires us to get down to five parts per million of nitrogen, uh, actually less than that. That runs from May 1st through October 30th each year. It's a seasonal permit. And uh, both plants are now achieving those limits. Fields Point's been doing it now for two years, and Buckland Point started last year. So that will significantly uh, re you know, reduce the nitrogen load on sure. the bay and uh, cut down on algae blooms and, and other um, naturally occurring uh, activity, which, which can cause a problem with uh, the oxygen content of the water. I remember that people had thought that was a, a difficult goal to achieve, and this is a, a, a further improvement on water quality in the Bay, in addition to what we're getting from the CSO yes. combination. So you guys are to be congratulated on that. Um, how do you get the, the nitrates out? We use a biological system. Uh, it's a little different at each plant. Uh, just because of the constraints that we had on the two facilities. But we use two different techniques, one at each plant, and uh, essentially we just cultivate some microorganisms that like to use nitrogen as food, and then they break it down, and uh, then we remove you know, the residual products, and sure. what comes out is clean water. Fantastic. It's, uh, you guys, uh, I think, are setting an amazingly high example, and it's uh, very appropriate that you are hosting the National Association of Clean Water Agencies. I imagine you'll be giving tours and talking about your results. and. Yes, as a matter of fact, we uh, we make a presentation on um, Wednesday morning on uh, some of the work we've been doing, and then Wednesday afternoon as the conference wraps up, we have a tour that we're giving to a couple dozen of the attendees, and we'll show them around Fields Point, our wind turbines, and our uh, CSO tunnel pump station as well. 
Well, it's an exemplary project, so you guys are to be congratulated. And I think you're also going to be saying goodbye to Ken Kirk, the National Association leader for the last, uh, well, not for the last 45 years, but it's the 45th anniversary of the uh, association. That's right. Um, Ken has been with uh, the organization for probably about 30 years now and has done a great job growing that organization and uh, helping it evolve into the, um, you know, the effective uh entity that it is now and to uh, be hosting this particular conference as he uh, as he goes off into retirement and it's the 45th anniversary of NACWA as well is uh, really something that we're happy about especially because we can bring the whole water fire um, you know connection or nexus into this sure. and it's something that um, the people who attend these conferences have never seen before so this will be a truly unique experience for them yeah and one I'm sure that, that, that they'll remember for a long time. Well, Ray, we're delighted to have you as partners in it, and it, um, I also think it's a great, good story to tell about Rhode Island uh, care for the stewardship for the environment and uh, the work that NBC has been doing. So congratulations. Thank you for your help there. Thanks. Um, so one of the, we have another guest about to join us. Um, uh, Tim, are you there? Hey, uh, Barnaby, I am here. Uh, this is Tim Blankenship from Waterfire. And the reason why we're having Tim join Ray and I is when they first started Phase 1 of the CSO project, uh, we wanted to celebrate the improvement improvement we'd been seeing in water quality in the river in general. And we wanted to invite the public to join us out in a program we called Clean Currents. Uh, and we brought the canoeist community in to join us. And actually, it's clear currents, come to think of it. Um, and we're going to be doing two dates this year. We're going to do it on August 15th and on September 12th. Tim, you want to tell people how canoeists and kayakers can join us there? Sure. Um, yeah, like Barnaby said, uh, we're doing two nights this year. It's the first year that we've done that. And um, it's very easy. There's a uh, small fee you have to pay to join us. And you can find uh, all of the registration and more information uh, is on our website. It's waterfire.org slash clear currents and um, in addition to the uh, the paddling event that we're having this year we're having another uh, new facet of the event which is um, each year that we do this um, for the past four years we've had a uh, custom limited edition t-shirt designed for all of the participants and so this year we are doing a uh, t-shirt design contest that we're inviting all local designers to uh, submit designs for and participate, and we'll be picking a winner. And uh, this is a, we have a cash prize of $250 for the winner of this contest. Now, that's a cash prize to the winning designer of the contest, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we'll and be picking one winner. Okay, the deadline to enter for that is August 1st, but the T-shirts we've had over the past, I think, Tim, you've helped design some of them. They're real collector's items. People really enjoy them. They're a lot of fun. Um, and just to remind people who haven't done this, this is open to canoers and kayakers, and it's the night where we sort of celebrate the returning life uh, on the river and the, why the current's being clear. And we put illuminated koi fish that uh, will go in the air up in the up in the air above your canoe and above your kayak and then people go in schools of fish through the river it's a beautiful beautiful night that's much remarked on much photographed people really enjoy it and they tell us it's just a wonderful night to be out on the water yeah it's one of the uh one of the more unique ways to uh experience the city of providence and to you know get on the river during a water fire lighting uh there aren't a lot of opportunities they come along uh, each year to do that and 
Uh, this is definitely one of the most unique ways to do that. And um, yeah, we invite all of uh, canoeists, or uh, if you have a partner, you can a canoe. You can do two people in one canoe, um, and we help you. Uh, we temporarily and in a non-damaging way install these beautiful illuminated Japanese fish onto your vessels, and um, you get about three to four hours of really fun, really uh, exciting time uh, paddling along, paddling up and down the river. And for, you know, I'll give the website again, but to sign up, it's uh, waterfire.org forward slash clear currents. Mm -hmm. And then if you've got an idea for the T-shirt design, it's uh, waterfire.org forward slash T-shirt contest. Yep. And as always, if you have any sort of questions, you can always email us at info at waterfire.org for more information on clear currents or on any issue involving waterfire. We'd be delighted to hear from you. There's more information uh, on our Facebook page, too. If you just search Waterfire Providence on Facebook, you can find everything uh, you need to know about us. Um, Tim, thanks for all your help with that. This is a, this is a night we actually first did this, as I mentioned before, when the Narragansett Bay Commission was beginning to try to explain the scope of the CSO project, and we had great pictures of the tunneling head and where you were and talking about the progress. And we work with many people in the canoeing community and the Munoskatucket Watershed Council, and there has been a very clearly marked improvement in water quality, and that's something we're delighted to be celebrating and being a part of. So it's a, it's an ongoing project. And then on July 14th, we will have people from all across the nation where we're going to talk about the... Um, um, they're going to see the results of what you're doing, hearing about upcoming Phase 3, which you said was about five years out. That's correct. Good. Um, that's that, that project itself, Phase 3, uh, what we're asking the regulatory people for is some consideration to uh, extend the completion of it out longer so that the uh, rates will be able to uh, climb at a slower pace than sure. they would otherwise. Sure. So that's something that we our board was very sensitive to because affordability as well as water quality improvement is a is a big consideration uh, when you start uh, undertaking these you know these massive programs. Oh, absolutely, and it's a, it was a tricky challenge to disentangle the system so that you came up with a very good alternative. So how full? We had some pretty heavy rain not that long ago. Um, what's the fullest we've seen of the system so far of the CSOs or the tunnels? Well, the tunnel fills up several times a year. Okay. Um, in part, it depends, of course, on how much it rains. Uh, but also how fast it rains. Sure. Sometimes it can rain so fast that the water just can't can't get into all the catch basins and therefore into the tunnel. It goes right by. Right, yeah, it goes sure. right by it. Um, other times, if you have a good steady rain, uh, the tunnel fills up. We're able to, uh, once we see it reaching its capacity, we're able to close the gates and shut the tunnel down so we don't damage the tunnel. And then whatever else still comes down the pipes uh, then ends up ends up going into uh, the receiving waters. But the good news is, is that the worst of the flow has been captured. First. The so-called first flush. Exactly. Uh, a good example is if the people at home, if you're rinsing out a milk bottle or carton, right. uh, the first rinse you do, you, you can see, see it's, the milk in you it. You can yeah. see it's, it's really yeah. right. And then yeah. you do it the second or third time, and it's virtually clear. So it's the same concept. Tim, do we have on uh, the waterfire.org forward slash radio uh, link, do we have pictures of the... Um, of uh, the Clear Currents canoes from previous years? Uh, yeah, we do. We have uh, a short video up there. Um, and then there, uh, if you're on the uh, radio website, there's links over to um, the Clear Currents page, uh, the main Clear Currents page, as well as the, uh, the contest entry form page 
all of that's all linked together. And this also links to uh, information about the upcoming Basin Wedding uh, Narragansett Bay Commission, as well as info about the conference itself. Very good. Um, the next water fire lighting, the full water fire lighting, so the next one is July 14th for your conference, okay. which is Wednesday mm -hmm. evening. I'm trying to remember what time are we lighting. It's probably, it's, uh, I think it's pretty close to June, so yeah. it's probably about 845. Yeah. Um, how many people are coming to the conference? Uh, there'll probably be over 300 people there. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, I look forward to hearing their reaction. Uh, and then the next full lighting is July 18th, uh, which is... Uh, Saturday night, and that'll be a uh, full lighting that we'll be doing, and we'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. Ray, is there anything else you'd like to share with uh, the listeners about uh, the Bay Commission? And you've been, you've been the executive director for some time. Uh, I've been the executive director for about eight and a half years yeah, now. Um, I think one of the things that has made us so successful is the fact that we've had great um, continuity, you know, in the organization. We have a very good board. Uh, they're very well informed. Many of them have been on the board for several years. They know what questions to ask and how to make sure that we stay on our toes. We have a chairman, Vin Masalola, who's been there since the beginning of the Narragansett Bay Commission. And we have a really seasoned staff that sure. um, takes great pride in what they do and um, has had um, a major, major role in making sure that all these projects have come together, you know, in just the right fashion and just the right sequence. And, I'll, you know, lastly, I think um, I'd like to thank some of the members of our congressional delegation, especially Senator Reid and Senator Whitehouse, who have been a big advocate not only for the Bay Commission, but for the, our national association as well. And for clean water and yes. for best environmental solutions. I mean, uh, our entire legislative delegation has, uh, you know, Rhode Island, you know, if we think, that, so it's been 45 years since the history of the founding of the EPA and yes. also this Clean Water Association. And the transformation that's happened in our waterways from sea to sea is astonishing. And Rhode Island is a great, good example of that. Exactly. So we thank the Narragansett Bay Commission for their good stewardship and their leadership. And we congratulate you on uh, all the work you're doing. Thank, thank you, you very much for having me. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Tim. afternoon. Uh, this is Barnaby Evans returning from the program. I want to thank our sponsors, National Grid, for helping us with uh, as the main underwriter for the program, for the radio show, as well as Lifetime Medical. And we have a new guest joining us now, Dr. Hong Yang from Bryant University. Dr. Yang, are you with us? Uh, yes. Uh, hello, Barnaby. Um, hello, Dr. Yang. You know, I, you, there is so much news to report and discuss on what you've been doing and what Bryant University has been doing. I'm pleased to have you here. Uh, let's start with the, the most topical, which was on Monday. Um, you welcomed a delegation that you brought in from China, from Zhuhai, where Bryant University will be opening a campus this September. So tell us more about the campus and about the visit of the, the delegation. Uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. Um, and Zhuhai is a, a very exciting place. So, uh, Brian has been uh, engaging uh, uh, education program there in the past, um, um, say, four or five years. 
uh, and um, uh, we got approval uh, to uh, build a branch campus, and uh, we hope to uh, open for the first class uh, uh, in the fall. And the, now we should sp- speak a little bit about Zhuhai. Zhuhai is in southern China. It's near Macau and very near Hong Kong. And I know Hong Kong's been building a, I think it's a 37-mile bridge across the bay, which will land uh, land on the land uh, on the mainland right near Zhuhai. And that's going to be a, a huge impetus for growth. So it sounds like uh, Bryant University has selected a very uh, much, you know, robustly growing uh, area to establish your campus. Uh, Zhuhai is uh, situated in the uh, Guangdong province, uh, uh, which is in the southern part of China. And uh, 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 for those of you who know um, about China, Guangdong province uh, counts for one-tenth of China's GDP. Uh, And this area uh, where uh, the uh, past 30 years' growth has uh, built up uh, tremendous wealth um, and uh, culturally, uh, is very open uh, toward outside. Uh, the Zhuhai city itself uh, is home to uh, uh, a person named Yong Wang, uh, who was the first uh, Chinese national ever get an American degree uh, over 150 years ago. Um, and uh, it has a very vibrant, uh, beautiful coastal city. Uh, and now it is, uh, uh, the government is trying to build as an educational hub, uh, which hosts, uh, I think uh, right now, about 12 or 13 universities. And Brian is the first uh, American university ever partnership with uh, a private Chinese university in China. And we're also the first one to build a business program in the area. And, you know, congratulations on that. It's... Uh I believe uh, Zhuhai is also where Sun Yat-sen was born, isn't it? Uh, talking about outreach to the West, because uh, he went to high school in the United States. Yeah, he went to high school uh, in uh, uh, in Hawaii, and uh, his hometown actually is only 10 minutes drive uh, from our campus. Well, and I know I know his home is something a place that many people like to visit because that was a very important outreach to the West in Chinese history. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now let's talk a little bit about the program you'll be do, you'll be doing. It. This is a business. Pro- First of all, let's talk about what Bryant University is doing in Rhode Island. We have many interns from many colleges, and I have to tell you, we really enjoy our interns who come from Bryant. And Bryant has a, a program that has a business focus. You've got a pretty r- wide range of things you're teaching, but you've also got the Fogarty Center for International Studies. Uh, yes, uh, I think we're uh, quite unique in terms of our uh, curriculum setup. Uh, of course, uh, Brian has over 150 years uh, history, and um, uh, the program is uh, integrated between business and arts and sciences. Um, I think in over the uh, the past years, um, uh, we are very fortunate to uh, have a, a very uh, visionary leader, uh, President Migri, uh, has been our president for the past. Uh, 19 years. Uh, we have a, a very supportive board uh, and both the senior staff members and um, um, faculty members I think work uh, as a very good team uh, to um, to graduate uh, such a talented students. Um, right now we have about 11 uh, percent uh, international students uh, coming from uh, 53 different countries. Um, I think we have enjoyed the diversity on our uh, Smithfield campus. 
Well, it's a, it's and the campus is a joy to visit as well. They've got, uh, you know, I, I've each time I've come up there for a number of programs, I've been impressed with uh, how how it looks, but also the the seriousness and uh, studiousness of the students. It's a uh, it's a great thing. So the program in Zhuhai will be um, business focused, uh, uh, undergraduate, graduate. What is the program? Yeah, uh, as we, as Brian is moving uh, up uh, at the rankings, um, and um, uh, I think uh, we have identified uh, one of the growth area is uh, is international. Uh, so we're enjoying uh, more uh, overseas students coming to our Smith School campus. Uh, we thought uh, we would open up uh, also opportunities overseas for both for uh, students in China, in this case, uh, as well as um, uh, our brand students to uh, enjoy an overseas experience. Uh, so the uh, program uh, initially will offer a counting degree, uh, which has always always been uh, the strength uh, of Brian. Uh, and hopefully we expand uh, from uh, from there. And uh, the education uh, quality, um, uh, we would like uh, the uh, campus in uh, in China uh, has a, a mirror uh, image uh, that is more comfortable uh, to uh, what we have here uh, at Smithfield. You know, one of the things for five years, we've had the great pleasure of cooperating with you and uh, the Confucius Institute and Bryant University is uh, a fire where we celebrate uh, the Chinese culture as well as the programs in Chinese language. And that's coming up this year on September 26th. So I want to thank Bryant University for that partnership and for all the work you're doing across the state to, um, in you know, teach us more about this uh very venerable and ancient civilization in China and a very robust partner for the United States. Yeah, we have been very proud to uh, work with you, Barnaby, uh, as well as Water Fire and the City of Providence um, uh, for the Water Fire program. And this year uh, is uh, is also a, a landmark for us because uh, uh, this year marks the 10th anniversary of the establishment of our U.S.-China Institute at Bryant. Uh, which uh, has been facilitating both uh, academic, uh, business, and cultural exchange uh, between uh, Brian and China. Well, congratulations on that. That's much deserved. And speaking of uh, relationships between China and the United States, um, you hosted and brought to this country a delegation of, I think there were six people from Zhuhai. Um, yes. And they met with the mayor. The mayor hosted uh, yourself and uh, Dr. Maitley um, at his uh, at the city hall, and we initialed an agreement of friendship between the cities of Providence and the city of Zhuhai. Yeah, I think the delegation has been very much impressed uh, about uh, the development of Providence uh, and the cultural diversity uh, that we have here uh, in the city. Uh, and also the mayor's vision uh, to uh, build a better relationship between Providence and uh, uh, other cities around the world. Um, so uh, I think there is uh, uh, interest to um, uh, to build a, a sister-city relationship, which we will have uh, future uh, uh, education, cultural, uh, and economic exchanges. Well, I know the, the mayor was pleased to tell him about the Port of Providence being a deep port with railroad connections that we'd love to have them think about because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of manufacturing that happens in China and there's a lot of potential business connections that we can build upon. So yeah, I think they, they find a lot of similarities uh, between Zhuhai and uh, and Providence. 
uh, both are great cities, uh, and um, both uh, the missionary leaders uh, also uh, look forward for uh, uh, better programs for the cities. Well, there were two specific uh, similarities that came out in the conversation, which I think are worth remarking on. We call Rhode Island the ocean state, and Zhuhai is very much on a on a large and um, um, important bay in China, and the ocean and aquaculture and ocean engineering has been a big part of their their industry for a long time. And also, there's a long history of trade. Uh, actually, between Zhuhai uh, and Providence, literally, uh, if you uh, go to uh, Newport, uh, some of the mansions actually have uh, portraits uh, of uh, early age of Zhuhai, uh, which I, I always find remarkable. Well, I remember if you look in those uh, mansions, the old China trade, there was a um, there was a gentleman who traded tea a great deal. I'm trying to remember his name. You see portraits of him. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that was that trade originating out of Zhuhai? In that out of Zhuhai, yeah. Uh, at the time, uh, Guangdong uh, province, Guangdong area, the, the Pearl River Delta, uh, was a major uh, trading. Uh, sometimes was the only trading port from China. Um, so the area has been has a tradition of interacting with people uh, overseas and always uh, looking forward uh, beyond beyond the borders. So those Providence traders like John Brown would have been uh, uh, trading with Zhuhai. And the other connection is uh, both Providence and Zhuhai have a very uh, robust um, series of visitors who come for the quality of place, the beauty of the city, and for tourism. So it sounds like a great partnership. Absolutely. Uh, there are so many uh, interesting programs. Uh, both are doing, uh, for example, the air shows uh, that they do every year uh, in China as well. Just like um, Rhode Island. And they have plenty of water. I think there is a good potential for water fire moving to Zhuhai as well. Well, Dr. Yang, uh, music coming up is letting me know that uh, we're uh, getting to the end of our program. But I want to thank you and Bryant University and Ron Maitley for your sponsorship with Waterfire and for opening the world and bringing China into the state of Rhode Island. So congratulations for the program. We look forward to hearing about the first class this September. Mm-hmm.